Learn Persian with Chai and Conversation, Raising Nim Junis, a conversation with Naz Deravian. Welcome to this very special episode of Learn Persian with Chai and Conversation, a Raising Nimrunis interview with actress-turned-cookbook author Nazdet Avian. I've had this idea for a very long time, even before I myself had children, to interview Iranians in the diaspora who are married to non-Iranians and raising half-Iranian children. A pretty unique uh, situation. Hence the title, Raising Nimrunis. And Nimrunis is just a clever way of saying half Iranians. Credit to my friend Mashad Bakili for coming up with that. So before I had kids, I had so many ideas on how to raise them on every topic from things like, you know, screen time to how to discipline them to how much time they should spend outdoors. And one thing that was always really important to me was teaching them the Persian language. I pride myself on being able to speak Persian, even though I've been in the States since I was three and a half. And I do have a podcast where I teach the Persian language, after all. But when you have kids, so many of your ideals and ideas become humbled by reality. And I've been surprised that my own sense of strictness about only speaking Persian has changed over time. At this point, I've now interviewed several Iranians in the diaspora who are perhaps further along in the raising children process than me, or are high-profile Iranians that I respect, and we'll be rolling out these interviews over the course of the next few weeks. So the first interview was with the actress-turned-cookbook author, Naz Deravion. Her Persian cookbook is called Bottom of the Pot, and since receiving it in 2018, I use it almost weekly. And she talks a lot in the book about her American husband and how she integrates him into the cooking process along with their two half-Iranian daughters. And when I came up for the idea of this series, Raising Nimrunis, I knew she had to be one of the guests. We actually talked at a unique point in time, early March of this year. So the threat of war with Iran was still in the air, but the coronavirus was just a background murmur at this point, and we had no idea what was about to hit us, just for some context. But anyhow, let's get into the interview. I hope you enjoy it. I really enjoyed talking to her. So today we are talking to Naz Deravion, who is the author of one of my favorite Persian cooking books, uh, The Bottom of the Pot. Uh, Naz, hello. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Leila. And just as a little background, I received your book for Christmas a couple of years ago. I really fell in love with your recipes. I really fell in love with your voice in, in the stories that you told. And it has become my go-to. I, I use it all the time. So I really appreciate you writing this book. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. I'm happy that you enjoy it. And I'm happy to see when you post something on Instagram <laughs> or something that it's being enjoyed by your little one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's become, you know, I've been posting these videos of, of using your cookbook because it really does, it speaks my language. And, and I thought that that's why this, it would be good to start this interview series, this Raising Nimrunis, which is about raising half Iranian children. Your book does a really good job of explaining the Persian culture, but showing how you are are showing it to your half Iranian children. So mm-hmm. I thought maybe we could we could start with what is your background? You were born in Iran. How old were you when you left? Um, where do you live now? I was born in Iran, and I left when I was eight years old. 
and we first moved to Rome, Italy, and we were there for a couple of years and then immigrated to Vancouver, Canada. I was 10 years old when we moved to Vancouver. And then once I graduated from university, I moved down to LA. And I've been here in Los Angeles since. So I've actually lived in LA long now longer than I have lived anywhere else in my life, <laughs> which I never thought I would say that. <laughs> but English is your third language then, is that right? Well, no. So Persian is my mother tongue and it's my first language. But in Iran, this is a couple of years pre-revolution. I went to an American school. I started at an American school. Okay. So that's why you have no accent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's amazing. So English is my first language that I learned to read and write. American English. Okay. American English. But then interestingly enough, when we moved to Canada, I had to adjust a little bit. And I feel like as so many of us, we just shift <laughs> with with the place. So and, and pronunciations and whatnot. So that was and not that Canadian English is that different. But you know, there's certain certain differences. So then what's your proficiency with the Persian language? So in Iran, those first couple of years of primary school, Persian was like our second language class. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had an hour a day. And then, you know, there was the tumult and chaos of, mm -hmm. of leaving and immigrating. So Persian was sort of put on the back burner in Italy as well. I went to an American school for the time that we spent there. And then Italian was my second language there. But my parents had originally met in Italy. My older brother was born there. So Italian was a language that I was quite familiar with. But then once we moved to Vancouver, my mom, one of the jobs <laughs> that she, she started was teaching Persian kids the language out of our apartment, out of our home. So I was part of those classes. So I would say I studied up until fifth grade. That's probably what I had. And, you know, like any other young person, I rebelled. I didn't want to carry on. And now I highly, highly regret it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But you continued speaking with your parents. Is oh, it right? was, yeah, at home, it was, it was always Persian. Yeah, always. Got it. Okay. So then what cultural background is your husband? Where did you meet him? I met my husband here in Los Angeles. We're, we were both actors at the time and we met doing a show together. He's from the Bay Area, born and raised American, white American. <laughs> and he only speaks English. Okay. <laughs> With a, I shouldn't sell him short. <laughs> it's terrible. I've seen him turn over that Tadik, so he's doing really good. <laughs> yes, I have to say, from the moment we met, he's just, it's the type of person that he is. He loves our culture. He loves our food. He gets it all, the good and the bad that comes with every culture. And at our wedding, actually, he did this very sweet thing of he worked with my mother on the side without me knowing. And they translated my favorite Tom Waits song. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and he stood up and recited it in Persian. That's amazing. <laughs> which at, for the first 
two verses, I had no idea what I thought he was speaking Russian all of a sudden. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so funny. But he committed and uh-huh. he went through it all. <laughs> what was the song? Um, oh gosh, it's going to slip my mind. Let me get back to you. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so then you have two daughters and what are their names and ages? My daughter is Luna is 13 and Soleil is 10. And so here's our big question of this series is how is their Persian? How is uh, mm. <laughs> how's that going? So <laughs> not great. It's not great. And I've talked to other Iranian friends and we try not to beat ourselves up about this. And that's, I think, the first thing that I would try to put out there. Okay, okay. <laughs> let, let's, be, let's be good to ourselves because there's enough bad happening. So right. I don't need to beat myself up about this, but I do. When Luna was born, my eldest, I had all the right intentions. And I was going to speak Persian to her. And my husband, Drew, was fully on board. And I remember meeting with the pediatrician. And she just said, you know, this is a gift that you would give her. And I know that um, multiple languages in my young life were a gift that were given to me. Obviously, I'm now, you know, hopefully fluent in English. Um, (laughs) And I do okay with Persian. And I have a little bit of Italian and a little bit of French from Canada, having gone to school there. So this was the path that I was going to start my children on. And with Luna, the first couple of years, I did quite well. So when we were alone, I would only speak Persian to her. And then with when Drew was home, I went back and forth. And I know you're it's said that you're technically not supposed to do that. One parent should stick to one language. But you know what? We were living our lives. We were new young parents. I did the best that I could. Then once Soleil was born, I tried to stick with that. And then I don't know what I can blame it on, fatigue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it went out the door. I switched mostly to English, but then I would throw in all the terms of endearment to this day are in Persian. They can, you know, I will still speak it, but they're not fluent by any means of the imagination. Now, Luna, when she was around five years old, she, we got her a Persian teacher, this lovely, lovely woman who would come over and she was learning how to read and write. And, um, and then once, you know, after a couple of years, we weren't able to keep up with that either. Right. So there you have it. (laughs) Okay. Well, so this is very common. I think that's what I'm hearing most often when I ask people this question. And, you know, for me, I have, I moved to the States when I was four years old and very similar to you. My mom, she had the first Persian language class for kids in the Dallas area. Mm -hmm. And so I went to her classes and same thing. I got up to the fifth grade level but my kind of secret weapon that I always tell people when they ask me is the grandparents. I grew up in the same house as my grandparents. And so I'm sure I would have rebelled into my mom only spoke in English. But because my grandparents couldn't speak English, I had to just mm-hmm. keep speaking Farsi. And, you know, when I was little or I don't, all growing up, I always thought I will be so strict with my kids. I'm going to teach them and I'm going <laughs> to. But, you know, I have a 10 month old now and a three year old. And what you're saying is exactly what I'm going through right now with the first one I taught, I spoke to him in 
in Persian all the time when we were alone. But yeah, when my husband's around, I think it's more important for us to be a family and to like talk, to be able to understand each other rather than to be really strict and, and just speak Farsi. So, and now that the second one's here, you know, they speak, my, my son speaks to him in English, so I can just see us going down the, the same path. Mm, don't let so, it happen. <laughs> you think so? Well, that that's what I'm wondering. So do you think it's that important that we teach the language? Like, why is it important? So here's a great point that you made. We don't have any family around us. Mm-hmm. My mom is in Vancouver. My dad was in Vancouver. He's passed away. My brother is in Toronto. So I think it really would have made a difference if a set of grandparents on the Iranian side lived here. Then my mom would have just spoken in Persian to them the whole time. And that would have you know, helped me as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the issues is that if you don't have a lot of family around, it becomes you're, you feel even more isolated. Most of our friends here in LA are not Iranian, but they still love our food and our culture and all of it. We don't have that access to people coming and going and speaking the language. Having said that, I was raised in a family that always valued a second or third language, no matter what that language. We were always told that it will help us later in life. It's a great skill to have. And I agree with that, especially these days. We're such a global world now that I think one of the issues I have with the American schools is that a second language is introduced so late, sometimes in middle school, if not in high school, and it's too late by then. I think it's much easier for kids to start a kindergarten. It just, then it's not learning. You're not like actually sitting and it's not difficult. You, it just becomes your brain is able to process it much faster and easier. I have to say my kids will ask me now, they want to learn Persian. Now they, they want it. So we are working at looking at, you know, how we can do that. For me at this point, I'm not a great teacher because I'm their mother and I'm not sure how well that would work, but I can do my part. And what we have started doing is I'll randomly, I'll just start speaking to them or I'll point to colors, you know, the way that I learned English, just opening a coloring book and saying, this is this is blue, this is abi, qermez, and just repeating these things. Are they going to be fluent and will they be scholars at it? Perhaps if they continue, mm-hmm. but at the very least, they'll have maybe they'll have some basic understanding of it. At the very least, I know that your kids and my kids will, these specific sounds will not be alien to them. Right, exactly. So they'll have some sort of basis. They've heard it, they when they want to pick it up and when they have an interest, they'll probably be able to pick it up really quickly. I think so. And I remember one thing I did with both girls um, when they were like from the time they were babies, I'd walk around saying, <laughs> just to get those sounds, the and the and and you know, just so then it's a little bit, a little bit more familiar to them. Right. People ask me this all the time and I just don't have the answer. And I feel like it's it's too bad because all of us who are our age, we have that regret of our parents not being stricter with us. But then when it comes to our kids, 
it's just so much easier said than done. It just becomes very difficult and they're so stubborn. <laughs> it really is. And you don't and you don't want them to there's I think there's a fine line between encouraging and then for them to just despise it, right? Definitely. I don't I don't want that to happen. And I don't think I mean speaking for myself, I don't think that's happened with our girls. So what are the the ways? I mean, I I obviously know the answer to this question because you have a whole you have books and articles about it, but what ways are you passing on the Persian culture? If you can talk about your perspective. Yes, so obviously food. Right. <laughs> That's yes. like it's the easiest way for me and I think for a lot of people because if it tastes good, then you want to know more about it and you're curious about it. Another thing I used to do with the girls <laughs> because I probably had read somewhere in a parenting article or something, I would just stick these spices under their noses. Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, this is Zachubid, this is turmeric, <laughs> this is Zafiron. They are fully aware of my journey. It's a complicated journey. It's not an easy story. It's not a black and white story. So, you know, words like immigration, revolution, war, all of that will come up at some point. And we very frankly talk about it, obviously, in an age-appropriate manner, especially recently with Iran being in the news once again. Mm -hmm. What I'm really proud of these kids, and I think I might speak to this newer generation, is that any any feelings that I might have had about revealing where I was from when we first moved, which was directly after hostage taking and all of that, they don't. Mm. They say it with just very normally, I, I mean, proud, but not in a show-off kind of way. It's just like as if they would say they, they're half, they're half American, they're half Iranian and Canadian. Right. <laughs> they kind of have it all going on. So that makes me very proud. And then having their friends over, their non-Iranian friends over. And again, I think really it's food can be one of the ways. And it was the way I connected to my new Canadian friends when we mm-hmm. first moved. So just the other night, we had a big Fesenjun party. <laughs> uh-huh. And the girls' friends were over and they just, they love it. And one of the girls... Luna's friend, she's 13. And she's, you know, she's had our food all the time. And they make it themselves, actually, her family have my book, and they cook from it all the time. And she was we were they weren't talking. And I said, you know, what's up, girls? And she just looked at me. And she said something like, why speak in between bites when you can keep eating fesenjun? <laughs> <laughs> that gave me chills. That's really good. <laughs> I'm gonna use that. <laughs> and we were like, yep, okay. <laughs> Sums it up. That's amazing. That's really so. That's cool. you know introducing their friends to this food, and then it opens up a conversation about, oh, where's your mom from? celebrating Nauru's. And again, we don't, you know, I don't even know what traditional means anymore. And I hate to use the word authentic. We've created our own traditions. So we set up our half scene. Now, do we go about every tradition as it's done in Iran? I don't know. <laughs> we, right. I don't know anymore. 
these things get passed down and they will change and they will bend with every generation outside of the country. And I'm okay with that. Right. And you are in LA though. So you do, I mean, there's a big community of people around you that do all these things. Does that help a lot? Like with the with Noru's or with yeah, I mean there is a very big community. I don't live anywhere close, so LA is really huge too, right? right? right. So I don't really live in like very close to let's say the Valley or we're fairly close to Westwood, but yes. So around Noru's, we'll go to the stores, the markets, and do our shopping for Charshambisuri, the beach. Though there's one beach where you can actually like make bonfires. <laughs> so we do go and we take the girls' friends um, uh-huh. and they enjoy that. It's, you know, trying to explain why we're jumping over fire and try and mm-hmm. don't get burned, please. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, except last year we started what we think might be a new tradition in that it was just, you know, getting down to the beach and it gets so crowded. So we just lit little, little fires in our carport (laughs) and brought out the candles. And that was really fun too. And I think that's in the spirit of it. And that's really how it's done too. It's in people's neighborhoods. I don't, this, I do not promote nor suggest right lighting fires in California. Right. So (laughs) let's make that clear. It's a good point. Yes. It is a good point. (laughs) The thing that you said about the spices though is interesting because that's that's another question that not Iranians, but in general, everybody is wondering how to get their kids interested in food and different flavors. And so even if we put language aside, I think that's a really nice idea to have them have this very varied palate from the beginning. And, you know, Iranian food does that really well. Yes. And I would suggest leading with the name of the dish in Persian. Mm, okay. So rather than saying this asherishta is like, a, you can describe it, but mm-hmm. um, but just say this is called asherishta or this is called fesanjun or, you know, this is called qaymet and they'll, that'll stick. Right, right. And do they help you with the cooking as well? Is that another part of your family, what you yes, do together? I don't, I don't make them help right. with the cooking. <laughs> I make them help with setting up the table and clearing the table and all that stuff. But my 10-year-old, um, she enjoys cooking. Okay. And she'll make the mastukhyar, you know, and they'll both taste the fesenjun and tell me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if it's sour enough. <laughs> very important. Very important. So to get those taste buds going, just like my mom did, it wasn't a thing of come learn, now make this. <laughs> well, see, I'm seeing a lot of parallels with language learning with that. Well, you just hope that somehow through osmosis, you know, all these scents and flavors will seep in. And when it's time and they're interested and when they've moved out and desperately need to make a kete and (laughs) koresh, they'll either pick up my book or pick up the phone and ask and make it themselves. (laughs) Definitely. Moving back to culture, can you think of any important things in Persian culture that you are passing on that might be different than Italian or American culture? Like what cultural aspects are you trying to pass on to your to your children? I would say our our incredible gift of being generous hosts and accepting and the door is open and anyone can join us at the table and we'll always have an extra seat. 
that is one that if nothing else, if my girls can be kind, generous, loving human beings, mm-hmm. and also loud, we are loud. <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay to be loud. Oh, and, okay. and make yourself heard and assert yourself. <laughs> is that something, was your husband like that as well? Or is it something that he's getting used to? He's over very time used with you? to it now. There okay. are still days where he'll tell, ask me why I'm shouting. And I'll say, but I'm not shouting. I'm just really, you know, I'm passionate about this. Was I shouting? <laughs> and then the girls will look at me too, like, yeah, you're shouting. I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's great. Well, what about things from the culture? that you're purposely not passing on? That's a tough one, you know? (laughs) So the concept of tarof. Yes. That's a hard one to explain. And it's something you either innately understand or don't (laughs) because it's, there's this art to it. And I do like it to a certain point, but then there are times where you need to be clear, especially living here. People aren't going to pick up on those cues. Do you want this or do you not want it? Because I don't know what to do, right? Right. <laughs> um, so understanding that, and I, I don't think that answers your question of what things about our culture am I not passing on, but being aware of it. And, mm-hmm. and also for them, I need them to be able to shift as I have. So if you are in, a cer- in the presence of certain elders, certain behavior might not be okay (laughs) in in the Iranian culture. And it's that having an awareness and being like we do is being able to shift and reading, reading the room. Right. Um, But still be yourself Mm -hmm. and still stand up for the things that you believe in. These are different times and different days, (laughs) but do it respectfully but I think for you, probably this question's a little bit different because your family was this very flexible uh, international family. Like, I think there's just some stereotypes of, of Iranian culture that if I ask that question, a lot of people are like, oh, yes, this is something from when I was sm- young that I'm, you know, my parents forced on me and I will not do that for my children, you know? Yes, it's very true. And I've had this conversation multiple times and it just... Each time I'm reminded that I was raised in a very open-minded family, That's um, so nice, not right. the not the stereotypical quote-unquote Middle Eastern Iranian family that wants their children to be doctors, lawyers, and engineers. Now, they, my parents set very high expectations of us for us, and we had to meet them. Education was key. But at the same time, you know, I went to theater school. I'm an actor. Wow. (laughs) Okay. So, and my brother currently is a photographer. Um, Although he was, he did go to engineering school and then left. (laughs) So, and, but these things were not frowned upon. We weren't black sheep of the family. Um, My mom is a very well-known famous poet herself. So, but, you know, I, I'm fully aware and I, you know, I was in the community of knowing what those other aspects of our culture are. Right. Um, and they're, you know, my parents, they were open-minded, but they're still Iranian parents. <laughs> so there, right. there were certain expectations, but not those stereotypical ones. No. Right. That's wonderful. 
Well, I guess my my last question is I've, I've gotten a lot of great information from you. I, I love all your answers. There's a lot of us in the diaspora who are not in Iran anymore. And, you know, we've we've grown up here. And what is your hope for us moving forward? You know, a lot of us are doing projects about Iran or like moving back to our roots. I don't know if this has a very clear answer, but yeah, what is your hope for the future? Like, why are we doing all this work? Well, it warms my heart that we've we're at this point, actually, because mm-hmm. when I first moved, it's we certainly weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have so many Iranian voices out there and doing so many and achieving so many different things, I, my hope is that we get to a point where we don't have to point these things out. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to say, look at this Iranian just did this, you know. Um, right. I, I hope we can get to a place where, of course, we did this, and right. you know, and and we can celebrate it. But we, it doesn't. It's not an anomaly because it's not right. Yeah, which actually, when I received your book, I, I hadn't heard of it before, and I was like, "That's crazy for something like this to slip me by." You know, this is a big achievement. It's a big, important work. And I feel like just a few years ago, I would have it would have been on my radar. But there's so many amazing things out there now mm-hmm. that um, and obviously it's on my radar now, and I see it all over the place. But I I did think that that was a little bit of a turning point for me. I was like, wow, there's Iranians doing amazing things that I don't know about. There's <laughs> that that's a great that's a good thing actually, right? right? That's, that's a good thing. It um, really is. And it- I think on one more point on what can we do. We are such a divided people, (laughs) Mm -hmm. whether it's in the diaspora or inside. And I can't speak to anything inside Iran. I haven't been back. My hope is that one day we will find that bridge that brings Mm -hmm. us all a little bit closer as Iranians. And on a, a final note, the Tom Waits song is San Diego Serenade. (laughs) (laughs) And I suggest you lead out with that. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much. And and if people want to find you, you have a wonderful Instagram account. It's at bottom of the pot, at bottom of the pot. And your Twitter handle uh, at bottom of the pot one, which I just tweeted, you asked what your favorite Iranian sandwiches were. And I said, Zaboon. <laughs> That's my favorite. Anyone listening, I'm, you know, whenever this will air is fine. If you have a favorite um, Iranian sandwich, please let me know. <laughs> Wonderful. And of course, your book, I, anyone that asks me what um, cookbook I recommend, I always recommend yours. Uh, I've given it out countless times as presents now. Um, it is really a gift that keeps giving. I've used it so much it's already I haven't had it for that long and it already is worn I really appreciate it thank you yeah a shout out to my uh, mother-in-law and Casey for introducing me to that very grateful to her (laughs) (laughs) so thank you so much for talking with us thank you thank you it was fun and that's the end of our interview with Nas I hope you enjoyed it To get more information about Nas and find the links that we talked about in the show, visit the page for this podcast on our website at chayanconversation.com slash Nas, which is spelled N-A-Z. So it's now April when we're releasing this podcast, and I'm into week three of quarantine of self-isolation. 
and Nas's book Bottom of the Pot has been a trusty companion throughout it all. Her Instagram is also full of ideas for how to cook with economy during this time. So that's very helpful. Again, that's at Bottom of the Pot on Instagram. The next interview will be re- released in the next couple of weeks, and that one is with Arash Karami, a journalist. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to sharing that one with you as well. Again, a lot of great insight. And until next time, Khuda Hafez from Layla. Layla.